Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ayers on the Road. We're so glad you could join us today and we're excited to talk about families as we always are. What could be better than talking about our families? Sometimes it's hard, difficult, traumatic, but it's always the most important thing in the world. Yeah, sometimes it's worse talking about our families than not <laughs> because there's always something going on. You know, I may have mentioned before that when people ask me how my kids are, um, I say, well, they're all just great except the one that in, is in crisis right now because somebody is always got some kind of a crisis. Right there's now, never a dull moment. That's there's never I mean. a dull moment. Um, Don't you sometimes feel like people who aren't around kids as much as we are, their their lives are are sort of predictable and boring. (laughs) We never know what's going to happen, you know? I know. People who don't have kids may think the opposite, that we're the ones that are having a boring time, but no way. I mean, whether it's great or whether it's hard, it's not boring. I remember hearing a lecture one time, kind of a positive mental attitude lecture, and I was a young father, and we had several little kids at home, and the guy was saying, you've got to learn to act and not react. You should never react. You should always just act. You should have a plan and just do it and I'm like (laughs) does he have any kids because you spend most of your time as a parent reacting let's face it you know kids have needs kids have problems kids have questions kids have opportunities there's teaching moments I mean sometimes good and sometimes bad you got to have a little flexibility and a little spontaneity and most of the, the parents who are so proactive that they have a plan and a schedule for every day precisely. It's good to have that. But if you're if you're going to hang your hat on whether you get everything on that list done every day and the kids behave just like you expected them to, you're going to have a lot of frustrating days, right? You know, it's really interesting because we have, of our nine children, only one has been living in Utah all these years. And now, suddenly, we have two more families that have moved back so 15, 15 half grandkids of our grandchildren close are now. close so it's making us be spontaneous again yes the too, same thing it? it's like want to maybe the museum and sure i mean it's so great <laughs> that that we have the flexibility to do that i should say it's you know awesome. that, that, there's a great word and we should do a whole show on it sometime linda it's our favorite word in many ways and we've written books on this word we we went to sri lanka to write a book on this word serendipity and it's i think you know, in balance, when, when we think of it, it's probably the most important attitude that parents can have. Because serendipity means you have a plan, you have a list, you have you try to do your best, but but you're always flexible. You're you're watching for things that are I should actually give the real definition of the word. It's a state of mind whereby a person through sagacity and awareness frequently finds something better than that which he is seeking. So if you've got a list and a plan and you're a a proactive parent and then a child has a need that you didn't anticipate or asks a question that you should spend time answering or wants to play right at that moment, it's good to be spontaneous and say, this is probably better. Remember that old cliche we made up, Linda, about, um, um, you know, your mom used to say to you, never put off till tomorrow that which you can do today. And we think for a parent, it should be uh, always put off, a put offable in favor of a now or never. 
with kids, a lot of things are now or never. Yeah, that's true. Especially little kids. You only have those moments once in a while. But you know, it never really changes. It's the, the way it goes all the way through life and with grandchildren. It is, there's so many, um, by the time you're our age, there are so many other things going on in your life. But you think, I still need to be flexible. I yeah. still need to know how to drop things and do things with, with grandchildren as well. And so it's kind of fun. But as usual on this show, we're taking a little while to get to the real subject. And if you watched it on the website, you know that the actual title of today's show is Developing Strong Family Traditions. This is we're moving through this this top 10 parenting list, these these 10 ideas that in our experience over these many decades, these are the things that really separate the families that work from the ones that don't work as well. And, and the top 10 parenting list, number three, is a powerfully important one, developing strong family traditions. You call it the glue, Linda. It is the glue that holds your family together. And it took us a lot of years to figure that out. We started just by saying, oh, let's just do this fun thing. This will be fun. And the kids did have fun. And they said, whoa, wait, we got to do that again. And so and it's not just Christmas traditions and Thanksgiving traditions, but other things that we're going to talk about today are things that really make your kids feel like they're part of something bigger than just themselves and that they love being with their family. Now, if you have teenagers, this is really going to be important <laughs> because teenagers don't always love being with their families 24-7. But, um, but they do cling to traditions. But they do. Boy, kids, kids are amazingly that, you know, their identity, all children, well, all people in general, Linda, need, need an identity larger than themselves. And, you know, we always talk about studies we've seen on why kids join gangs or why they do this or why they do that. And a lot of times the answer or the reason comes down to needing this identity. And so they'll join a gang because they have colors or they have traditions or they have this or that. And it's the same with clubs. It's the same. In fact, you know, any any institution that's going to last and endure over time, whether it's a fraternity or a school or a club or even a country, uh, one of the things that's always present is traditions, rituals, if you will, things that always happen the same way, things people can count on. And it turns out the research shows that kids love these traditions. And you don't need research to tell you that. You you know, you parents know that if your kids get used to doing something a certain way and you try to do it differently, they'll say, no, that's not how we do it. If you if you change how you're doing the Christmas tree, they're like, no, that's not how we do it. They're, even when they don't know it's a tradition, they want a certain stability and a certain sort of commonality in their life. And, and families that build strong family traditions, it sort of makes the family culture stronger and all the other cultures our kids are a part of, don't you think? I do think that. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh, we didn't ever have family traditions. And I don't know of any family traditions that we're doing. I mean, everybody has to think about it and realize that you you do have traditions. Everyone has family traditions. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of fun to think through of the things that just your family does. I mean, it could be as simple as just a Sunday dinner that you always have together. Um, or the it, way you do dinner in the evenings after school or what you do when kids come home from school, right? Anything that's, I mean, how would you define a tradition? 
Um, something that everybody enjoys and happens over and over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it really is so interesting because um, we've seen little traditions go down uh, in our family. And those of you who are grandparents have seen this. Um, they do things with their kids like you did with your they kids. Pass on, yeah. Either either like or totally different. I mean, there there is that factor too. Like I am never going to do that with yeah. my kids. You know, my <laughs> mother's tradition was to have me uh, when I clear off the table. I had to uh, scoop up all the crumbs and then get it off into my hand and then put it in the thing. And I'm so impetuous. I was like. <laughs> No, when I get married, I am just going to swoop these off on the floor and then I'll sweep the floor. It's so much easier. <laughs> you know? Your so, tradition was to just push those crumbs on the floor. Right. You started a new tradition. <laughs> I did. And now I must admit that I am scraping all the crumbs and putting them because <laughs> I'm too lazy to sweep the floor. But if you're musicians, if, you're, if music is part of the tradition, if your kids have done piano lessons, not that they're all going to go, go uh, produce little prodigies, but but there will be some things that you do in your family that are going to pass down for generations and generations. Now you said an interesting thing there, Lydia. You said even if you don't think about them, um, what what we're advocating to you today is that you do think about your mm -hmm. family traditions, that you make them conscious, you make them deliberate, you sort of institutionalize these traditions because, as you said earlier, Linda, every family has traditions. And by the way, there are bad traditions. Some families have a tradition of yelling at each other too much. Some have a, a tradition of, um, you know, um, not caring for each other as well as they can. I mean, tradition can be anything. Well, yeah. And and sadly, there are things that go down through families that you don't want as a tradition, um, but maybe part of the fiber of your DNA. I don't know. You know, the. Uh, we have so many extended family members that are worried about depression and worried about anxiety and so on because it's, it's pretty prevalent in the family. But you did you did earlier in the show define a tradition as something good that happens repeatedly. And that, right. that is how we want to define it today. And, and what we've found is that families who just let traditions happen, it's fine. And I mean, we all have them at Christmas. We all have them at Easter, for example. We all have birthday traditions, whatever. But... If you just let them happen and they're kind of casual, they don't have the power and the binding sort of glue quality that they do if they're institutionalized. Now, how would you institutionalize traditions? We're going to suggest there's sort of three steps in building these traditions, making them stronger. One is to sort of review your traditions and decide whether they're the ones you really want. You know, think about, make a list of the things that are your family traditions and decide if you want to keep them all and if you can improve them. Second step, and we'll try to get into each of these a little, is to sort of put them in a book or on a calendar or something where the kids know when they're coming up and they can anticipate them. And maybe you drop, maybe little kids draw pictures of the tradition that happens on their birthday or on Christmas and and you you make you you sort of make it a thing that's anticipated and then remembered afterwards, and that that really tends to make them strong and powerful. And then the third thing is to is to do them with joy and to and to get so involved in them as a parent that the kids feel your enthusiasm and your joy and and try to follow it. And and then if you do that, and we're going to give you a lot of examples. 
but you'll end up with a stronger family because traditions are the glue that holds families together. It really is true. Um, there are funny things that we've done, and, and we'll, we'll start giving you examples um, right away. And, and the second half really is going to be mostly examples of the things that you can do to stimulate your thinking. But I think there are times when uh, the kids have said, no, oh, no, no, we have to do this. We have to do this. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. No, <laughs> no, we can't do this. No, we have to do this. It really is something that sticks in their soul and it makes them feel like they're really part of the family and that their family is unique. By the way, you might consider doing this first step of reviewing your family traditions with your kids. You as the parent will probably have to make a list first. And remember, you're talking about holiday traditions. You're talking about Sunday traditions. You're talking about sort of bedtime traditions. I and mean, they could be yearly, monthly, weekly, daily, whatever whatever you do that's sort of constant. I have to say, as we start, as we come back to the second half and give a lot of traditions, um, that Richard was a little off the wall on these a little uh, I was over, overboard you think? overboard I got it in my mind get out the calendar and mm. we have to have a, we have to welcome spring every year <laughs> and on the 20th we got to have a family flag we got to have a family motto we got to have, have a family so slogan many things. if I the mean, boy scouts have got it we've got to have it <laughs> <laughs> it really was um and it was a great time, but you know, honey, really, you can go overboard. So you know, you well, need to. Well, if you have to... twenty traditions a, a month, that might be a little excessive. <laughs> no, well, we did have birthday traditions. You know, that's sure, that was sure. our main thing, and we had birthday traditions. It was um, kind of wild just keeping up with that with nine kids. But then, no, but we have to have a tradition because this is the equinox. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I guess you could go too far, but most families err toward not having enough strong, strong traditions, not towards having too many. So right. there, Linda. So I know, but still, um, stick with us because we're going to give you a whole lot of ideas for um, some family traditions you might want to try, or you might want to. It might stimulate your thinking to do your own. So we'll, we'll be, be back. right back after this a little break. We're back. We're talking today about traditions and the importance of traditions in your family. Hey, can you sing that? You know, it's Fiddler on the Roof, right? Oh, you woke up tradition, this morning singing. Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> That's a hard song to sing. It is a hard song. But you know what? Remember, one time I was the fiddler on the roof. I haven't oh. thought about that for years. <laughs> I was the only person in Bear Lake Valley that could play the violin. So I set up on this roof. They, they had, had a, a beard. cute little... They put a beard they on They put me. a beard on me. <laughs> and and uh, I was up Jewish on this guy. little roof, you know, da, 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 playing my little uh, thing on the violin. And it was a memory I'll never forget. But anyway, that that really is a great um, play uh, musical that reminds us of how important tradition is. Think about that family. Wow. And, and Linda, rather than saving our best story to the end, let's tell it now because it, it'll, it'll pave the way for a lot of things we want to say about traditions. Okay. okay go this ahead. is sort of my personal journey into, and then maybe this explains why I was so big on traditions. When, when we first started, we thought we should have in our family a, a really well thought out, strong tradition for everyone's birthday. 
And the kids sort of chose their own traditions for their birthdays, and then we stuck with them. But but then one day, I still remember, they said, well, you should have a tradition on your birthday, Dad, and it's in October. And I said, well, what do you think it should be? And one of the kids said, well, we should jump in leaves. We should rake them up and, you know, and, and, and jump in them and stuff them down each other's backs and just have a crazy time in the leaves. So that became the tradition. And I thought, well, that's just silly. This will never last. Come on. You know, it's just for little kids. But it illustrates exactly what you said, Linda. When my birthday was coming, they had to do that tradition. That's what we do, Dad. If we were traveling, we had to find some leaves somewhere. We had to make it happen no matter what. And it grew. You know, by the time they were teenagers, they wanted to make it a party and have all their friends be there and have it at the park because there's bigger trees and bigger leaves. And we can jump out of the trees into the leaves. And, Mom, can you bring some hot chocolate or something and make it a, a party. And so, you know, I was, I was amazed. I was saying, man, this, this funny little tradition has real staying power, but quickly to get to the point, there came a year when our oldest three kids all left home the same year Two, our oldest two went on LDS missions, our two daughters, one to Romania and one to Bulgaria and our oldest son, started his first year of college. So I'm coming up on my birthday, and for the first time, all my kids aren't going to be there. In fact, three of them are not going to be there. And I was feeling a little morose about it, and I went to the mailbox on, on the morning of my birthday, and there were three birthday cards, and I thought, fantastic. They, they remembered my birthday. I wonder what the cards will say. And I opened that first one, a letter from an envelope from Bulgaria, and it wasn't a card, it was a leaf. And the leaf falls out on my desk and there's a little post-it note on the leaf and it said, Dear Dad, this is a Bulgarian leaf. The orphans where I'm helping out help me celebrate your tradition. And then it said this, Dad, don't forget, just because I'm far away, I'm still part of our family. Aww. And at that very moment yeah. I thought, wow, these traditions are powerful. I opened the second one. It was from our daughter in Romania. It was a, it was a leaf. They hadn't talked to each other. She sent me a leaf with another cute little note. Yeah, sweet message. And then the, here's the funny part. I opened the third one, hardly daring to think that my, our son, who's at college, would remember the same thing. And it's another leaf, but no note. Sitting in his dorm room thinking, I'll send that a leaf. He'll know what it means. <laughs> Different <laughs> difference between boys and girls, right? But you see yeah, the point. Guy. The kids, just what you said earlier, dear, they cling to the, and even when they leave, they their tie to the family is those traditions. Yeah, I, I think birthday traditions have been the most fun for us. We do have so many kids that we did have to do something kind of special on their tradition. And some were bigger than others. Um, one of our sons decided he wanted to go bowling. Yeah, he is, wanted to have bowling was his family tradition. My <laughs> my mother's favorite thing in the world. She was a championship bowler until what she was eighty five. I don't know what happened to me. I'm just so unathletic. What's your high I score? I was a big 50? disappointment to my mother. But um, so every year, I mean, even though we're kind of rolling our eyes now with their little kids again on their dad's birthday, we have to go bowling, and it really is kind of fun. 
Um, so we did better on some than others. It was making us. Well, I remember the one, the one daughter that wanted to float her cake because she read a book, a Tasha Tudor. Oh, a Tasha Tudor had this wonderful tradition of floating a cake down a little stream. And uh, so we decided birthday we were going to float her birthday cake. And no matter where we were, and we were usually at um, Bear Lake, where we have where we are. Perfect for floating. Perfect. But <laughs> every year we rigged up some kind of different little floaty because, um, you know, and you might think, what? What are you talking about? Well, you do put it on a floaty. You don't just this is put the, the cake, cake on there. With the candles lit. The candles lit, except that the wind often blew it out. And, and it got so that people would know we were going to be there on August 12th. And they'd come down to see what would happen to the cake because sometimes it was wavy and we didn't know what was going to go on. But, you know, that went on and on. One time we were in England with the family on her birthday, and we were at Hever Castle, and there was a moat oh, yeah, we around the, in the castle. Moat. And they had, we went to the nearest little grocery store and just got a little cake, and we found some kind of a thing to float that on, and people thought we were crazy. They probably would have stopped us if they'd yeah, <laughs> known we were doing yeah. it, but they, they were kind of joining into the party, and uh, we floated that cake. But you know what? When those kids left home, um, when that daughter, her name was Sadie, um, went. Her name still is Sadie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Uh, when she went on her mission, she served in Spain. And when she went on her mission, the kids were all writing to her and saying things like, I floated a cupcake in the sink for you today. Uh, we floated a cake yeah, in our bathtub. Yeah, perfect example of the I mean, bonding. It really is so fun to have those traditions to rely on as time goes on. Let us give you a little example of each of the three steps we mentioned. And if, if you want to institutionalize and sort of strengthen your own family traditions, the first step, again, is to review the ones you have. And, and let us tell you a story about that. We... We did that many, many years ago, and, and we wrote down what traditions we had on each holiday and what traditions we had on Sunday and so on. And we, we sort of realized that the ones we liked the best were the ones that taught a value or they had they had some redeeming. They weren't just a thing you did. They were something that actually was meaningful. And a good example is we, we, we were trying to be honest. What's our tradition at Thanksgiving? And, you know, it was to watch football all day and, and eat way too much. That was basically our tradition. We're like, that's not what we want. <laughs> and so we adjusted it and, and we said, well, what would we like to have our Thanksgiving tradition accomplish? And it was obvious, right? We wanted to be more aware of gratitude, we wanted to be more aware of the things we're thankful for. And so I think it was one of the kids, Linda, or maybe maybe you remember better than I do, but someone said, let's make a list. I mean, that doesn't sound very innovative. Let's make a list of what we're thankful for. But what made it interesting is we had this long roll of paper, like a like a cash register adding tape, machine. like an adding, this long thing. And, and we started writing and somebody said, what, what, what are we trying to get up to? And someone said, let's see if we can get to 500. And we're sitting there, you know, waiting for the turkey to cook and we're just what are we thankful for? And little kids are thinking. And we said, now, wait, you can't just throw something out. You got to really, it's got to be something that really, you're really thankful for. And we had, you know, trying to get to 500. So they were saying things like doorknobs or, or, you know, steps or, or thumbs, thumbs. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, but those are things we're grateful for and things we don't think about often enough. 
And the bottom line is that became a tradition that's lasted all these years. It's evolved. It's turned into different games we play about Thanksgiving and gratitude. Actually led to a book we wrote on family gratitude. But um, well, actually, it turned out that they came up with a thousand. I mean, oh yeah, oh now we have to break the record every year. Every cousin that walks in the door is like, okay, what are you grateful for? And they start writing things down, and and then we ripped off paper and sent kids off in different little sections to do it, and then we taped it together, and then we hung it over the table. I mean, at the Thanksgiving table, it really like crepe paper. That's right. That was crazy, but that gives you an idea of the first step of reviewing your traditions. There's nothing that says you can't start new ones or, or exchange some that aren't teaching what you want them to for other traditions. We're talking about holidays, but also what you do on Sunday or what you do at dinner time, what you do at bedtime. All these are things you can impact and, and, and refine. Second step is anticipated. And boy, do we love our tradition book. It's just a book that, that has each month of the year what are the traditions that happen that month? And the kids have illustrated them. When little kids were little, they, they drew pictures that sort of showed what these traditions were and it helped them anticipate them. Yeah, I just, um, you just passed over dinner time pretty quickly, but I have to say that we did have a tradition, that, a lot of traditions at dinner time. <clears throat> yeah, we sure did. Um, we had one uh, that was called speeches. We'd say, okay, it's time for speeches. And so we would tell kids that they had 60 seconds. Was it one minute? One minute. See, I've been gone so long. It's been (laughs) gone so long. Anyway, one minute to give a speech on doorknobs, for example. (laughs) What? um, And then we we coach them. You have to start out with something that catches people's attention. You have to wrap it up after a minute. And it is was pretty amazing what those kids came up with. You know, there's no pressure. There's no big deal or anything, you know, but... It is so fun to see what they could come up with. And I think that's passed down through some of our families. Well, and one of the the main Sunday traditions that's hung on so much for us is the first Sunday of each month, having a feeling session where we call it a testimony meeting where everyone one at a time, if they want, they don't have to, can stand up and say who they're grateful for, what they feel, what they believe, and so on. And boy, we've had some tender moments on that. We really and they have. do it. They When they come home, they want to say, let's have a, a testimony. Maybe. Well, and they're doing it with their own families now because they feel comfortable with it. You know, if you're, if you're thinking about starting that and your kids are 15 and 17 <laughs> and they've never done it before, it's a little bit harder, but we started our kids when they could, since they could talk, and it's pretty been pretty interesting. And, and how you do family prayer, how you do family devotionals, whatever, refining it, deciding what what really works, what what can we really do, and then writing it down, having it on this calendar, having it in this book, reviewing it with the kids, maybe even voting or, or confirming, sustaining these are our traditions. You know, it's just a powerful, powerful thing, Linda. And and the third step, like I said, do it with joy. If the kids see your enthusiasm for a tradition, that'll be mirrored in them. Yeah, absolutely. And some may be total flops and failures and others are going to take in there. You can't predict which ones they are, but really it is so fun. It is truly the glue that holds your family together. We wish you were here with us because you could tell us so many things about your own family traditions. But Take the step to think about them, institutionalize them, make them a valued, integral part of your family culture. Good luck, and we'll see you next time on Families on the Road. Bye-bye. 